Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Hunt Lift Eat Podcast. I'm your co-host Luke, I'm here with my my host Carter. What's going on, man? <laughs> What's up, dude? Glad you still remember how to do that. Yeah, it's been a long time since I opened one. The last <laughs> one we just recorded with Bobby and Kylie it was my first one in probably two months. Back in the saddle, man. Show season. It's fucking a grind. I'm tired show of traveling. Season. Yeah, bouncing around the country, man. Speaking of show season, great uh, segue to introduce our esteemed guest this week. We got Josh Raglan jumping on with us, man. Josh, welcome to the podcast, dude. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Yeah, I'm. I'm stoked. It was a. Uh, it was. It was an interesting. Uh, conversation i guess how it all started met josh at, at ata and you meet 300 people you don't even really think about it right and then he reached out to me and was like hey man i like what you're doing how can i get involved and i was like man let, let's chat so we jumped on a zoom call and been been moving forward ever since so josh i think is going to be awesome value add to kind of what we're doing here at hle especially on the training and programming and the nutrition side of the house which is something we just talked about uh on one of our recent episodes with Bobby and Kylie and kind of the way ahead there and having somebody with, with Josh's background is going to be pretty awesome. But Josh, why don't you kind of fill everybody in a little bit about yourself, how you got started with, you know, getting into hunting and the outdoors and then, you know, how that, how you've turned that into, you know, the training programming and your background in kinesiology and all that. It was kinesiology. Yeah, right? Absolutely. It's a big word. Absolutely. Yes, sir. Uh, it perfect. is a big word. I nailed it. <laughs> well, it's interesting too with that word. Sometimes I say it to, people my grandmother's age and they're like really so you know all about exercise and all that kind of stuff and i'm like yeah and then sometimes i say it to folks my age and they're like huh so (laughs) you did great kinesiology (laughs) so to your question i grew up in memphis tennessee and if you live there you hunt and you fish it doesn't matter what your color creed or what part of the city or the suburbs you live in you just it's just country there and so I had tons of friends that fished and hunted. My dad, he wasn't necessarily a hunter of any certain thing. He, were, uh, he was an outdoorsman, though. He liked to camp and float and taught me how to pond fish and things like that. So just did that and got introduced to people through him and through the, my friends at school and ended up being a waterfowl hunter. Just died in the wool, chased them all over Arkansas as a young man, uh, ended up going to school at the University of Central Arkansas. So I was right there in the right off that triangle of the Delta. So I had a 45 minute drive and I could hunt Biomita and places like that. Just incredible waterfowl hunting. End up in college with buddies that got boats. So just kept on. And then I moved up to Fayetteville, Arkansas and uh, to do my kinesiology degree uh, after I finished up school, played football. I forgot about that part. I was actually at the University of Central Arkansas to play football and uh, thought I wanted to be a physical therapist. And then realized uh, that could be a monotonous and boring job uh, in a lot of senses. It wasn't as fast-paced as I thought it would be. So I just kind of followed a natural passion that I'd always had for training and lifting weights. I, I like the gym as much as being on the field. Um, to me, being a multi-sport athlete, lifting weights and running and things like that, like conditioning, that translated to everything that I did. So that was kind of uh, base camp, if you will, you know, for all my little adventures in sports. So... Uh, I was like, well, I'll just go study that, you know, figure out how to be maybe a strength and conditioning coach because I really enjoyed my relationship with my strength and conditioning coach in college. And uh, he encouraged me, well, if you're going to do this, man, you need to go to a big university and kind of study under one of the, a coach that's, you know, with a football team or a baseball team, something like that. So that's what I did. I went up there and uh, when I got to the University of Arkansas, I realized this is not flat land. There's no delta here. So I had to figure out how to deer hunt the big woods. So that's when I picked up a bow and really got into archery hunting. And that's that's just kind of taken off, and I do it all now. I turkey hunt, elk hunt, you know, upland hunt when I can. Still waterfowl hunt as much as I can here in Missouri. And uh, after I left the University of Arkansas, I thought I was going to be a strength and conditioning coach for, like, high school athletes and stuff, you know, guys that were going to college and, and whatnot and kind of consult with some teams. And I did that for several years. And then... Uh, while I was doing that, I also uh, kind of emphasized in lifestyle training for older adults. Uh, I had a couple clients that trusted me when I was personal training in college, and I was just really good at getting older people who 
didn't have their mobility or weren't real strong on one side or whatever it may be, uh, getting them just back to good health, being able to squat with weight on their back and pick weight up off the floor from a deadlift position and that kind of thing. And so I was like, well, I'll train those people, you know, kind of uh, one end of the spectrum, if you will, older uh, adults. And then these guys and gals that are in the prime of their life about to go to college. And I did that for several years and bumped into some bodybuilders at the gym that I was working at in Little Rock. And I was like, man, I want to bodybuild. Let's do this. So I started doing that. My wife got into it. Uh, We kind of formed a little bodybuilding team that was buddies of mine from uh, way back in the day when I played high school and college football and people I was meeting in Little Rock and eventually people that I met at shows and uh, did that for several years and kind of transitioned from training athletes more to doing that. Still kept up with a, a normal book of personal training and uh, trained my wife to three consecutive Miss Arkansas figures, uh, the like overall championships. Uh, like I guess that'd be the feather in my cap, if I will. <laughs> did all of her nutrition and all that kind of stuff. And and then as everybody, I mean, as we get older and get closer to 30, there's, I mean, if your body isn't genetically right for bodybuilding you don't have a deep passion for it you just don't keep doing that kind of thing so we phased out and our buddies did at the same time and that's when I kind of got into backcountry hunting as my new challenge and as I got into that I was like wait this can be dangerous if you're out of shape and I was like but I know how to do this and so I kind of figured that out so through we'll talk a little bit about how I kind of figured that out and trained myself and my wife for our elk hunt a few years ago in New Mexico and then all my buddies were like dude can you help me out uh, yeah. And so that's just kind of rebuilt a book of personal training business of friends of mine that just let me tell them how to get them in shape uniquely for, you know, like their goals and stuff. And um, I think it goes the gamut from guys that spend, you know, three and four weeks a year out there out West or, or, or more uh, sometimes. And then there's guys that just want to be able to walk their hundred acre property here in Missouri, you know, cause they've got beer bellies and arthritis and they're pushing 60. And so, just got a bunch of different people that I work with. So that I guess that's my outdoor and fitness connection. Uh, you don't get to be 6'3", 240 at 33 years old and not eat a lot and eat well. So hunt, lift, and eat. It's my kind of thing. I'm really glad to hear you say Bayou Meta backing up a little bit. I know that was early on in your response, oh, yeah. but that really just that took me back to a couple very cold winters that I had out there when I was a younger fella trying to chase ducks in Arkansas when I thought I was a big bad duck hunter. Uh, I'll just say this. If you chase ducks in Biomeda at any point in your life, whether you kill ducks or not, you are a big bad duck hunter. And anybody that tells you different can kiss the backside of you. I promise you that. (laughs) That's tough. Dude. Oh my gosh. Coming from this Eastern flyway going out there, man, we had no idea what we were doing and, That'll that'll give you a uh, a lesson in humility humility real quick. Hey, yeah, that's cool. Luke just had his first duck hunt uh, in Arkansas. It was a little lackluster, but uh, we might need to get him out yeah. that way to experience the full flyway that Arkansas has to offer. Yeah, we saw a lot this of ducks. Was... They just flew flew off as the sun came up. Mm-hmm. Were you hunting fields or in timber? We were hunting fields, flooded fields. Yeah, yeah. That's why they was up there roosting munch and they was hungry. They're gonna go hide. We were. I have buddies. We, oh, good. You no, know, I was just gonna say we were right near a sanctuary. We were in is it Delaphine, 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 and there's a mm-hmm. massive sanctuary out there, and we drove over there to look at it. And I've never seen more ducks in my life. Like it was million. I mean, you you could tell me there's a hundred million ducks, a billion ducks on that water. And I never <laughs> believed you. Like it was. They look like ants. Um, you know, a, a mile and a quarter from where we were hunting. And I was just like, this is I was like, why don't we let this dog out and let this, get these things spooked up off the water. <laughs> mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. yeah, it was, uh, it wasn't the most lucrative. I think we killed like five birds the, the whole weekend, but it was, it was still fun. And I, I understand the appeal, you know, being able to hang out in the blind and bullshit the oh, yeah. whole time until they come in. And, you know, now that I have all the equipment, I'm like, well, might as well get after some more next year. The entry into duck hunting is high. It's almost as high as going out west after elk without the tags included. But I, uh, it's worth it once you get going. And I tell you what, you like it sitting in that blind, sitting in the timber in the morning, you know, with water up to your knees or so. That's It's spectacular, man. You'll, we'll have to go together. I got a buddy that uh, has a 
a little piece together field and uh, slew water lease that he's got, and he's got a clubhouse, a pretty big home down there that he's been renovating, and it uh, it's right up the road to a private boat ramp on, uh, if any of the guys that are listening, guys or gals are listening, are familiar, East Lake Slough, uh, right there off the White River Refuge, so he backs in, and they own a part of the slough that goes straight into the refuge, and, and then you got the White, water, or the White River Refuge, which is hundred and something thousand acres of green timber reservoir and he wears them out year after year after year come on now man come on this year i pulled the trigger no water no ducks and like you we killed five maybe the whole weekend and i was there wednesday night thursday friday saturday sunday it was like dude it's a duck a day and they're wood ducks it's not uh not very efficient on a price per pound basis <laughs> no not with gas the way it is <laughs> no Still a good time though. No, I'm I'm down. I'm always down to to do any any sort of hunting. I try to do a little bit of everything, and I see I definitely saw the appeal. A couple of our guys are diehard duck hunters. One of my buddies, John, would rather hunt ducks than anything else, and he's one of the hardest hunters I know. And he was he was like, dude, you're gonna you're gonna get the bug, and I was like, I kind of got it. I didn't fully get it because we weren't. I'm sure if we had been in them. Uh, like they were the weekend before they hammered them they were limiting it out every day like i don't know if the ducks just got stale and acclimatized to the, the you know getting shot at every morning because mm. we're hunting out of the same blind as the guys did the week before but um it was it was good though i i enjoyed it i see i see the appeal and the the uh, the draw that you hardcore duck hunters have just gets in you it's like turkey <laughs> turkey's Oh, that's another story. Fucking hunting turkeys are the dumbest, <laughs> smartest animals on the planet. So what's uh, what's your even now? Do you consider like your bread and butter is ducks, or do you have you something else caught the got the bug over ducks these days? Oh goodness, I don't say. All right, so go back to what I was talking about earlier, where I said like uh, training was kind of my thing, and I'd like to play a bunch of sports. I ended up being really good at football. Like say the same thing. I like to do all of it. Really, I like to do anything where I can shoot my bow. Uh, There's a lot that goes into shooting a rifle. I'm not scared of them. Oddly enough, I don't get any type of buck fever or anything in a rifle, ever. I didn't even really as a kid. After I shot one or two deer with my rifle, I just locked in. When I shot my elk, I watched my elk for probably two or three minutes coming through, and I was just peeking over the scope, waiting for it, peeking over. Never got the jiggles. With my bow, though, I'll shake from my head to my feet, and that's why I like it. So anything I can shoot with a bow, I want to do it. But at the same time, I'm not going to go out west on a bear hunt to Idaho or something and carry my bow because the likelihood of, of connecting there and it being, you know, that might be something I do once every five years. So until I get some bear under my belt with my rifle, it's just going to be a rifle thing. So that's why I say I'm still a generalist. I really like to shoot my bow all over the place, the garage, the backyard, your house, her house, their house, <laughs> you know, wherever. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm an archery man, that. but yeah. Yeah. Luke and I have had the same conversation and until we get a, a couple elk and a couple more mule deer under our belts, I think we might be toting the rifle before we you know, it's quite the investment to uh not only the training but the, the tags and the weighting and the draws the draw systems and you get out there and I wanna have every advantage I can for for a while and then, yeah. and then we can back off maybe. Yeah, and I, I archery hunt so frequently for whitetail. I've gotten to the point, and I'm not I'm not a big buck killer. I don't have a ton of deer to my name, but after I killed a few deer with my compound, I was like, I want to shoot a recurve, see what it's like. And when I that talk about a bug, and some people it hits, and some people are like, Bleh. but you know how some people swing a golf club and they connect one time, and they're like, oh, I got a golf, and they're like hardcore into it. They get fitted for clubs. They're new clubs every few years. Man, when the first time I loosed an arrow and it went where I thought it was going to go off of a recurve, I was like, oh, that's it. So now I'm strictly recurve only. So the first archery elk hunt I ever went on, I carried my recurve with me. Everybody's like, you're ridiculous. What if there's a bull at 45 <laughs> yards? And I was like, you shoot him. <laughs> you know? I actually just uh, want, when I, I say just, I wanted a year ago. I just have, I just now contacted him to start building it. But I want to uh I want a stalker stick bow from South Cox at a Colorado Bowhunters Association banquet, so I'm stoked to get that thing built out. And I actually think I'm going to like it better because what drives me nuts about my compound, like I really like doing things myself, right? I don't want to go drop my bow off at a pro shop. But I'm right before I deployed, I don't know, a year ago. I was gone for nine months. Right before I deployed, I got into building my own arrows and trying to like really delve into the process across the board. 
Well, by the time I came back nine months later, I forgot all my arrow dope. I forgot my weights. And I'm sitting there. I got three arrows left because I brought my bow and cracked a few. And I was in, in uh, Bulgaria. And I was like, God, I just don't want to fool with this thing. Like getting it tuned, figuring that out. I don't have a bow uh-huh. press. You know, I've got one of our guys, Dan, is a savant with bows. So now it's like, here, build it, fix it. Like, yeah. <laughs> tell me about it later. I don't care. Make sure it shoots. But, you know, I like the simplicity of the recurve and the fact that, you know, there's nothing to worry about. You build your, get your arrows set up. You make sure everything's tuned. Get your arrows tuned, and then you're just shooting, and you're not having to worry about all these extra variables other than yourself uh, when you're shooting. And I, I like that, and so I think that I'm gonna, I'm gonna really enjoy the simplicity of the recurve versus a compound that you need a damn engineering degree to be able to to actually work <laughs> on yourself. I, I like. Everything that you just said about it, I like, and I really like the fact that you're getting a stalker because I, I shot a uh, Samick Sage for about a year and a half until I felt comfortable shooting about 35 yards, and then I was like, all right, let's do it. And I looked around, and, and no disparaging anybody else, but I, I thought, man, what I want, South makes, and South, shout out to Stalker Stigbos, I'm not sponsored at all, <laughs> but South customer service and his ability to work with you man look my bow came in and i thought that there was a little bit of incongruency with how the coating was on there he's like dude i don't know i'll take your word for it send it back to me i was like man i really want to learn how to shoot it before elk season he said use it all year beat it up send the whole bow back to me limbs and all i'll refinish the whole thing for you and i was like what yeah and he, he shipped it to himself on his dime all i had to do is show up to ups and slap a sticker on the box man He's great, and the bows shoot like a cannon. We'll talk offline about which one you're going to pick and what limbs and all that, because they're awesome, dude. I'm telling you. Yeah, I don't, awesome. I don't know anything. He responded to me. He was like, yeah, just tell me what you want. And I was like looking at it, and I got anxiety. And I was like, I don't know. I need to just show up to his shop and be like, look tell at me. me. I've got yeah. weird proportions. I'm short and with gorilla arms. Like, Let's build this bow. <laughs> you'll like it, though, because you'll be able to shoot a little bit shorter of a bow than I do. I have to shoot like a Legolas bow, man. It's like 17 feet long. Uh, you know what I mean? I look like I'm in Lord of the Rings or something. Yeah, I can definitely run a shorter axle to axle. It's, it's nice for the tree stand. It's not so great when you're trying to get speed out less, but it's all right. It's well, that's what's guys. so cool they, about the recurves, man. Those recurves, it's all relative to you. Like you, mm-hmm. I always used to get arrow envy, right? Because I'm really, really freaking long. So I'd always end up with really slow arrows, and then heavy arrows got to be a thing, and I was like, oh, cool, this is built for me. And then, you know, you somebody gets this Matthews and this Hoyt, and they're shooting way faster than you, same grains or whatever. You're like, oh, this dude's got five inches short of a draw. How are his arrows as big as mine? And it's like, whatever. With your recurve, you got to do what you and the bow do together, and that is what you shoot, and it just all that matters. And it's great. <laughs> a lot less choices. <laughs> Hell yeah, Carter, you got to get one. I'm sold. Yeah, dude. I'm completely sold. Any reference ah. before 20 minutes in a podcast with Lord of the Rings and you're getting me fired up about recurve bows, man, I'm all in, Josh. I'm all in. Let's do it. <laughs> We're uh, talking about recurves, man. Where, you know, what are your top three dream hunts that you got to take that recurve on? I really want to. I really, really want to shoot a bull, a bull elk, even if it's just a, a freaking raghorn or a spike. I go to Utah and shoot a spike. I want to get a bull close enough to me and have him fooled enough that I can draw while he's in bow distance and not have to hold forever and just throw one at him, man. That that I'd really like. Me and my wife really want to. We, we're going to go bear hunting a lot together. That's what she's kind of figured out. She doesn't like the intensity that I came back with from my elk hunt, like how tough it was she's like yeah your bear hunt seemed a lot easier when you went to oregon okay but she's like let's go up to the northwoods like up in maine or in canada or something and go on like a spot and stalk type of hunt so i want to do that too i want to shoot a bear uh you know with my bow and then um maybe a mountain lion because i don't think it'd be fun to run up underneath a tree and <laughs> whatever i want to you know that'd be awesome so maybe those three, two predators and a big old bull elk. That'd be sweet. That'd be badass. Hell yeah. So what drew you, uh, just kind of rolling back to how we met, man, what what kind of sucked you in and into wanting to jump in and, and kind of get involved with HLE and, and what we're trying to build over here? Yeah. 
That's a great question. So I, it was Derek that I talked to, I do believe. That's correct. He wears the cowboy hat. I believe it, it, ATA had the black Garrett. cowboy hat on. Garrett. Garrett, yes. I was talking with him, and I was just asking him. I was like, what are y'all, what are y'all up to? You know, like I know a little bit about what's going on. I follow along a little. What, what's, what's besides, you know, what I see, the, the shirts and hats and things like that. He's like, all right, here's, here's this. And he's telling me about the team program and wanting to get, you know, some more. I was, and I was like, well, what about like more personalized coaching type stuff? I said, cause that's what I run into with a lot of my buddies. They're like, dude, would you write me a workout for free? I'm like, yeah, but you're going to need me to coach you a little bit. So just give me $50, you know, once a month and I'll be open to all the questions and stuff you got. I'll come work out with you some. And so he was like, oh, well, da 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 He's like, yeah. So he just kind of let me in on some of the inside stuff. I don't want to give anything away that's not supposed to be given away. But I just thought, man, I've done online coaching because I did a lot of coaching. I actually coached a football teams as their strength and conditioning coach all through the pandemic. So mm. all of my coaching cool. in my groups was at a distance. And I and the other, the defensive coach, were trying to revamp the strength and conditioning program at the time. So we had to do, like, video tutorials and all that kind of stuff. So when I started kind of hearing what y'all were up to, I was like, oh, I've got experience doing this. And I'm not, I would hate for anybody to ever characterize me as arrogant because that's, that's not what I attempt to do. But I, I do like to understand what my strengths are because I, I want to be useful to people. And uh, I was like, oh, well, I know that I'm good at stuff. You know, I, I've got a presence online, like in videos and things like that. I can do those types of things or you know, he was mentioning uh, forums, you know, chat room forums where you could have kind of conversations and things like that. I was like, oh, I love that kind of stuff. I was a pastor for a long time, and I did that stuff at my church all the time, Sunday afternoons after service and stuff. Like, I'm eating it up. I'm like, yeah, this is, I'm the guy. I'm the guy you need. Not arrogantly, but like, yeah, y'all are on a mission that I want to be a part of, and I feel like I fit right in, so let's go for it. And he was like, well, you need to get in touch with Luke. I was like, give me his card. <laughs> and so after Shot Show kind of, you know, matriculated into the next week. I was like, dude, when can we meet? And we set it up. So that's here we are. Yeah. And it was funny because, I mean, it, it did line out well with what we're doing on the programming side. I mean, what we're trying to do, providing value to the team with some of those forums that we're building out on our app and all that. And, you know, when we when we chatted, I'll be honest, I was like, ah, I, don't, I don't really know. You know, you hear a lot from guys, right? Like everybody wants to – to do something or, or but when we jumped on the zoom call i was like man this dude seems like a perfect fit i was like let's let's start lining this up man i got you in contact with bobby and kylie and and then uh scheduled the podcast so like i'm i'm excited i think there's a lot of congruence there with your background like you said and you know not in an arrogant way but i mean knowing your strengths and knowing what you're good at i, I think that's important and in, in knowing how you can apply that to to provide value is kind of what we're all about here is you know fit in where you can and try to just provide value and then you know it's always going to I found that the more I focus on providing the value, then the value comes back tenfold if I don't focus on what's coming back anyways. Um, and I think that's a, just a really good mindset across the board. So with your kind of formalized background in that, it's, it's going to be a good fit, and I'm excited. We've got a lot of, lot of big stuff. I'll talk to you a little bit uh, after, the, after the podcast about a, a recent development that I think you're going to like a lot. So it's cool. we got some, some good, good stuff moving forward across the board. I'm going to give you what's a heads up. Where, uh, yeah, One second. I've got 15% battery. When it gets to 10, I'm going to sprint up my stairs real fast and grab my charger. I made a boneheaded move and did not have my computer ready for that. Sorry, right. it's, it's not the worst we've ever done on this podcast, I promise. <laughs> I figured. I might put a commercial in while I'm gone or something. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll plug the uh, one of our drops or something. There you go. Josh, our programs, we run them digitally online coaching um bobby and mm -hmm. kylie run them and uh we were just talking about them on podcast that came out today and you know we got folks from all over the country and canada involved and um, trying to build that community right if they can't be in the same gym in the same class together um building that community and that sounds like obviously you've done that um many many times over with the online coaching and coaching through the pandemic uh what have you found works really well when it comes to online coaching, if you can't be there in person, what do you think are some important takeaways there? Man, this is going to be like lifetime advice. I don't think it's just for that type of coaching, but fostering a, uh, what's the word I'm looking like? A, or a, a back and forth, like transacting honesty. You know what I'm saying? So kind of, I, I always kind of put like, I train myself, right? I lift, I, I, I restrict my diet, I eat more food than I want to at times, like whatever. 
So I come to a call or to a consultation, and I want the environment to be open. So like, hey, what's up? This week's been kind of tough. You know, dabble a little bit in personal issues, and then say, you know, last time I was doing whatever you were doing, these are some things that I dealt with. What's your experience like with that? You know, what's what are you struggling with, or what's been difficult? That way, when you they've got something in front of them, they're supposed to up their time in a in a certain you know let's say they're running 10 minute miles we want to do that for 15 minutes then we want them to do it for 12 and then we want to do it for 15 total then we're progressing every week and this week they're like man i don't want to run for 30 minutes i'm just going to be straight up or i haven't ran for those 30 minute intervals i just don't 30 minutes is too long for me i want them to be able to tell me that because if they're not since it's all online and i'm not seeing them you know even if you're doing like take your shirt off you know getting your skibbies turn around flex whatever you know, do a caliper test. Show me, pull on your belly. Let me see how fat you are right now. You're still not actually looking at them. You can't tell. You know what I mean? Even right now, whatever we got looking on our faces, there's stuff that was happening five minutes before we jumped on this podcast that we're not communicating because we're online. But if I was sitting there with you guys, we would be able to tell. And so that's yeah. that's what I found is to be successful. Like, everything has to be transparent and try to relate to the people that you're, you're dealing with. You know, do they have kids? Do they work night shift? Do they, are they laborers? Do they sit all day? What's their injury status? Their, their family history? Like what do they got going on? What, what, what pulls and stretches them? Are they more intellectual? Are they more see and do or whatever? But just make sure that they feel like they can communicate what they've got going on, that they don't have to lie to you for whatever reason. And I know that sounds silly. Well, they're paying you to get better. Why would they lie? Well, because you're their coach. You know, why, why would you not touch the line in a, in a wind sprint? You know, it's like 10 inches further and you didn't touch the line, even though your coach is telling you you're going to run another sprint if you don't. Well, it's because it sucks and you thought you were going to get away with it. You know, that's not honest. So if they can be honest, you, I just think people go the extra mile. You know what I mean? And you're able to help them more efficiently. So that's number one. Um, and I guess number two would piggyback on that, just constant communication. You know, uh, I, I like to have a personal philosophy. Like when I think about somebody more than once in a day or something or consecutively, I text them. So just when I think about my clients or my, you know, whoever I'm consulting with, what's up today on the, you know, check what they're doing for the workout, kind of give them some, uh, some enthusiastic, you know, motivation type stuff or, you know, let them know, I know you don't like this workout or whatever, you know, coaching cues, that kind of thing. Just let them know you're as invested as they need to be. Hell yeah. I love that. I think that is really important, that transparency and honesty, because it is just human nature, right? Like, and you don't want to, what I've had in the past with like coaches is like, you feel like, like, oh no, like I got to be better than this, or you you don't want to be, you know, judged, or you don't want to like look at like a quitter or or something like that. And so guys want to just kind of sleep it under the rug versus being like, look, I'm having a, this week's been hell. Like the kids are crazy. Work's been crazy. I'm traveling. Like I didn't do any of my work. Yep. Like, how do we adjust for next week, right? Like, that's the mindset that needs to be in that transparent, open conversation with the coach. So the coach can be like, shit happens. Like, you shouldn't have done that, but, like, it, it's all right. Like, how do we move forward instead of dwelling on the mistakes? Because that's what, you know, when you see, like, the cycles where the, we talked about it on the, the last podcast with Kylie and Bobby. But, like, it's that, you know, folks who get really motivated at first, they'll screw up once, and then everything unravels and falls off versus having – that understanding that like it's okay like every like you're not going to always take steps forward you might take a couple steps back but as long as you took 10 steps forward prior and you're going to take five more steps after that those three steps in the middle that you missed don't really matter compared to where you started and it's all about consistently moving forward and making that incremental progress and change to develop those long-lasting habits and having that coach's level of accountability but if you're lying to your coach which people do like (laughs) you're you're literally just throwing money down the drain because you're paying somebody that to be your accountability partner who's not actually able to do their job. Oh yeah. And one thing that I, one thing that I noticed going through, especially when I had bodybuilders that lived in Arkansas, Oklahoma, Florida, Tennessee, and I was in Arkansas or Missouri, uh, talking with them and like we're talking about that accountability piece, uh, and letting them know, okay, if you're not doing these things and I think you are, then I see I don't see this particular change or adaptation to the training. I'm going to make a change, and it's probably going to be more difficult, more time-consuming of a change. So, if be honest with me, and then let's like you were saying, let's make that adjustment. Let's plan for next week. Or here's the thing: if your kids and your wife or your work or whatever else slows you down from working out or makes you not commit to 100% to all of your training and your diet, 
that's probably normative in your life. It's probably not just one or two weeks, this 12 or 16 week training cycle. So let's see as your coach how to adapt the whole macro cycle of your whole year to that thing. Let's see how we ad can adapt your training time timing, the, the length of time, the exercises. Like maybe we need to cross train and superset everything. Maybe you need to do one strength movement and then just freaking circuit the rest of it. Well, cool. We can get the same results or close to that, you know. And that's, I had a note in here about like training for your life, like what, it, all of your circumstances and your goals. Like that's that's one thing I think people have to do, and that's what I think one thing if you have a, a clear communication with your coach you and that person, that coach can figure that out, you know. But if you're lying, trying to be a hard ass, you know, oh, I'm tougher than that, or no, no coach, uh, uh, I'm good. Well, that ain't no help, you know. Tough guys and tough girls don't typically make it too long, you know what I mean? As far as, yeah. excuse me, as far as training that way, they, to toughness is definitely an under, uh, underrated and undervalued type of uh, value and ethic these days. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I've seen that myself like I had a coach for a while and my schedule was crazy and I just felt bad you know like I'm sitting here like god like he's building this program it's honestly it was too long like it was a lot of work and it was the workouts were taking me anywhere from an hour and a half to an hour 45 um even if I was burning through them and I just I didn't have the time and instead of just like being like hey like I just need to roll this back let's cut it in half I need 45 30 to 45 minutes like that's good enough like let me just get that work in and that time I was like I just can't do this right now I'm too busy and like looking back in hindsight like I could have just kept rolling and cut the work in half still had the programming the coaching made the adjustments probably still saw good results for my goals and then just when my schedule opened back up a little bit my life calmed down then it's like okay now we can build in a little bit more work or just incrementally instead of going from like i was working on a little bit but i wasn't in a good training regimen instead of like trying to do 100 or an hour 45 all at once like all right let me just get back into the habit carve out the time be disciplined with my time for that 45 minute workout okay now i've got that down okay let's go ahead and add another 15 minutes all right we can add a 15 and like do that incremental shift instead of trying to do it all at once and that's that's really what my biggest issue across the board always is and carter's heard me say it a hundred times but like i'll go through like high intensity very dedicated like very strict and as i've gotten older <clears throat> one i don't recover and i don't you know i can't train like that and i can't make the adaptation as quickly as i used to be able to i've just had to reach for reshape my entire framing of like sometimes like good enough is good enough it doesn't have to be the optimal or the best or the, the the top end like that's fine and there's a place for that but if you're just especially if you're training for like general wellness like it, it, it doesn't always have to be a sprint it doesn't always have to be a fight it doesn't always have to be you know trying to go max effort all the time like carve out like anything's better than nothing and that's something i've really tried to shift my my mindset on over the last year or so i got some notes i'm gonna go grab that charger real quick and then i no, i'll respond to what you just said luke <laughs> Hey everybody, if you want to join the Hunt Lifting team, no, I'm just kidding. But for real, the team is uh, open enrollment now. We launched that. I don't know when this is going to drop, but we launched it today. Uh, this will probably drop a week or two after. But uh, we went ahead and shifted the uh, the whole onboard process. So instead of having the interviews and the application and all that, we you know long term as we built the vision for what this team was going to look like we wanted to have a strong baseline of membership we feel like we we met that <clears throat> through our kind of closed enrollment so now we're opening it up so if you want to join the team if that's been something you've been interested in kind of been on the fence now the process is a lot simpler you just go through the link you can sign up you can get plugged into the app and then there's uh onboarding calls that'll happen afterwards to get you familiarized with all the benefits and perks and things you can take advantage of within the team and then you can really get plugged into the community jump into local events that are happening in your regions or take advantage of the brand partnerships and discounts, the seminars, the mindset calls, all the stuff that we do with the team. So definitely go check that out. Josh is back. So we can end this plug. <laughs> Yay. It was actually neat. So you said I something to really make that announcement. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so you said something there that I, I really, it just strikes. You're talking about you go through these, you know, the high intensity and low intensity, high intensity, low intensity. I mean, that's true of any training cycle, whether you're a college athlete or whatever. There's those built in, and it's hard to maintain those because when a strength and conditioning coach looks at a football team or a basketball team or a baseball team, they understand all of the pressures that happen throughout the school year and, and things like that, the academic year and the social calendar, so they've built that in. 
you don't have, I do not have that steady freaking semester after semester type of flow. So they, I can't, you know, I might be in a really high peak training cycle and also be in like, I mean, I might have a family member in the hospital. I might find out that my wife is also sick or losing her job or what. I mean, there's a million things and it's like, right. So at the end of the day, could I do more? Yes. Am I, is it, am I capable of it? Well, maybe not. You know what I mean? And that, that, that I, I just wrote some notes cause this is kind of open ended, but I, I was even thinking about like, well, how old are you? You know what I mean? No, you can't squat 500 pounds. Could, did you ever squat 500 pounds? No. Okay. So who cares if you can now? Do you know any dads that are in, that are like your stature that have the same training background as you that can do what you're attempting to do? Like what, where are your goals? Who, what's your comparison? You know what I mean? Cause if you're just looking at the most like high level normal person that you can find out there. I mean, there's guys that are, you know, YouTube and Instagram famous that, and there's that don't make a living doing that stuff, but are still jacked out of their mind and can do incredible plyometric and calisthenic things at 300 pounds and 10, 12% body fat. And that's just not probably going to happen for most people. So you have to right size your goals, understand what you're building within. Like, you need to have a concept of what it means for you to be a badass is how I would say it to people and then get there, you know, like regiment yourself and titrate up, titrate down and, and rock and roll. And if you set out in six months to put I don't know, 50 pounds on your squat, like it's a reasonable goal. And three months in your life's changed so much and you're not able to train like that. Just reshape the goal, extend the time period or say well then in the next three months I want to do I want to double what I've already put on my squad or, or whatever it may be you know and, and that's where good coaching and good, a good relationship with your coach to go back to how we started this that's where that really comes in you know you got to be honest about what's going on man because if you if you start I'm going to be like this I mean it just things happen man there's just too there's too much too many variables in our life as as not just athletes you know, I mean, we can call ourselves athletes. We're really not. We're, you know, we're just guys that lift and train. Uh, guys like us, like, we need to set our standards high for ourselves, but we need somebody to help us right-size them and then not get too lofty with it, man, I think. Because then you set yourself up for defeat. You know, you know well, I'm going to set out to run, you know, 700 miles this year because that's two miles a day. So I can do that. It's like, okay, well, then you get – what if you don't? You know what I mean? So, like, set something – that's a big goal. Start smaller. Like you were saying, start little, build on that, build on that. And when you were talking, I do that every year because during hunting season, I just don't lift as much, man. I'm traveling. I don't, it would be wrong for me to train four or five days a week and put all of early mornings, late nights on the road, poor nutrition, whatever. So at the beginning of the year, I go through like a strength phase. And when I first start lifting, I always want to do some sprinting and some plyometrics. Man, there's some days where I don't do that that running and plyometrics because my legs and back are beat. But I understand I'll catch up on my legs and my cardio later on in the year. I'm focused on strength training right now, but I've learned that. If I just had my workout, I'd feel defeated because the first three weeks of the year, I didn't do the majority of my running. Oh, And if I'm paying somebody and they're not adjusting that workout for me, oh, even more. It's just like a total waste. So like, it's fine with me. I can do that in my own head and stuff. I'm not paying me either, but I know how that dialogue goes in other guys' heads, and it's tough, especially if you're real high drive. You know, I want to, I want to, I want to. It's hard to say I can't sometimes. Oh, yeah, I struggle with that. Because <clears throat> I always compete against, like, who I was two, three years ago. You know, like, I was into pretty heavy lifting there for a while, and I'm still, like, relatively strong, but that's been another thing that's all I always think about is like, I don't have to, I don't have to, especially off the bat. Right. I'm yeah. It's a good goal to build up to what I was when I was 30 or when I was 28, 29, if I can get back to that, but you know, I don't have to lift for six weeks and then be pulling what I was pulling when I was, you know, five years ago. But I think it's easy to do that. Cause psychologically, like we don't, like you physically age, but psychologically, like I'm still the shithead I was when I was 18. I'm just a little, little bit wiser. Mm -hmm. And so you still, you, you get into that cycle of like, oh, I used to be able to do this. And then like, and then you can fall into the trap where you just live in the glory days, you know? And then you're just like, oh, I'm been there, done that. Got the t-shirt. Like that's what my dad always says. Mm -hmm. I hope you're listening to this pops. Um, you know, like <laughs> I don't have to do that anymore. I've already, I've already done that. It's like, well, you know, there's a balance there of, of 
still pushing yourself, still trying to be better. You know, I think, you know, I always like think it's really cool when you talk to guys and they're in their, like I was just talking to a dude who's in the 50s and he's been crushing it. He's like, I'm the best. Like, I've never been in this kind of shape and I'm 53 years old. And I'm like, that's badass. That's where you want to be. But you don't necessarily have to always be fighting for that necessarily. Right. I always talk with my guys because this doesn't translate with females typically. Now, there's some females that got a little bit of a fighter, you know, a warrior in them. But I say, guys. I could be I could always beat up the last version of myself. You know what I mean? Like when I'm fifty when I'm fifty, if I can still jump the way that I jump now, I'll be totally surprised. I think that I'm gonna end up having some surgeries eventually just from knee wear and things like that, soft tissue injuries that are gonna keep that from happening. My goal is to keep jumping like this, but I'm probably not gonna be able to. But I know for a fact that when I, I at twenty six I believe, twenty six 25 or 26 I deadlifted 600 and squatted 500 and I know that's backwards no excuse me reverse that deadlifted 500 squatted 600 I know that's backwards but it's how my biomechanics work I did that like verified several observers no spot it was a great time in my life and I could jump out the gym I was strong and lean I'd whip that dude's butt told straight up you know almost 10 years later I'd whip his ass I'm not nearly as strong I thought I was tight because I thought I hit 315 for 10 the other day squatting, I was like, oh, big daddy came in the house strutting because I've, I've right-sized my goals. You know what I mean? But if you put that kid and, well, that man, that young man and this little bit older man next to each other, I don't know who's more impressive. And I sure wouldn't want the younger one to fight the older one because, you know, you just learn more about your body. I'm way more nimble and, and supple than I was. And that was something I was missing back then. So always getting better. I'm sure that guy at 50, there was a time where he was stronger than he is now. But there's things that he can do with his body at 50 because he's taking care of it and he's intentional with it that yep. he couldn't do back then. You know what I mean? What do you think about Tom Brady, man? Tom Brady's doing things Pat Mahomes can't do. And, man, he's old for a quarterback. You know what I'm saying? It's just because he takes care of his body and he right-sizes the things that he does. He puts the right tasks in front of him day to day, and that's how it goes. Oh, yeah. yeah setting, I, love, I love all that. Setting the right and intentional goals for whatever season of, your, of life you're in and that that's I mean that's the name of the game and that translates directly to you know if you're training for a hunt on the mountain in the fall um, you know being selective with your training like now right in January February mm-hmm. thinking about the long term yeah. plan for the entire year right Luke and I I just went on my first elk hunt with Luke in, in November and I you best believe I started thinking about all right what's the best way for me to be the the strongest and have the the best <laughs> lungs that I can possibly when we get to November um, started thinking about that as soon as I got that tag and uh, once I started thinking like that instead of like short-term goals like that but season of life I'm in with a three-year-old and a one-year-old that's not sleeping and you know how, where can I maximize my training and you know that that mm-hmm. really gives perspective to how you're going to make it happen mm-hmm. yeah it's something I talk about on <clears throat> I've talked about it on the mindset calls that we do with the team but, you know, with goal setting in general, whether it's physical, financial, business, you know, just personal in general, like, you know, there's something, there's a quote, I don't remember who said it, but I, I really like it. It's like people really, they overestimate what they can do in, in three to six months and they underestimate what they can do in one, two, three, four, ten years. You know, like it's it's making those long-term oh, yeah. goals, goals loftier and making your short-term goals more realistic. Because, you know, you can have that lofty goal, but then you got a backwards plan off of it because how do you eat the elephant, right, one bite at a time? And it's the same thing with your physical training. Like, you don't have to – and when you're, it's easy when you're young and when you're fit. And, like, as me, like, I used to be able to, like, oh, I've been drinking too much. I haven't been working out. Like, give me give me three weeks and I'm going to shed this. And, I, you know, give me six weeks and I'm going to be right back to where I was. You know, you get 33. Like, I can't, I can't do that anymore. Like, it's not a six-week turnaround yeah. like it used to be. You know, and, yep. and it's a bad habit to get into. And that's something that I've had to work through as I've gotten older and slower and, and I don't recover as quickly. It's like, all right, I know how long this is actually going to take realistically. And, like, now I'm not thinking in time horizons of I used to do in, like, six-week cycles. And, like, you know, it's fine for a training cycle, you know, six, yeah. 12 weeks. But, like, for, for big goals, you, you just can't do it. You know, you start looking at six months, 12 months. That's when you can really start making that whole wholesale change. You know, you can lose up 150 pounds in, in 12 months, you know, like in a year. Like, people can radically transform who they are as a person, um, lose a whole nother person's worth of weight in, in, in a year. But, like, 
with the, the yo-yo dieting and this culture that we have, it's everything's fast, everything in, is instant, two-day shipping, right? That's We fight that all the time with HLA, <laughs> fucking Amazon, <laughs> fucked us there. But um, it's, it's everything, every, it's instant gratification versus knowing that, like, it's okay to have an extended time horizon on what I'm trying to accomplish, and I can do it in such a way where I can affect lasting change that's going to endure past the, the latest diet fad or yo-yo sprint to get, you know, to lose 30 pounds in, in six weeks or, you know, mm-hmm. 30 day abs or 30 day Brazilian booty or whatever the hell that the, the latest trend is these days. <laughs> oh man. I love that. Cause that just makes me think of all this stuff. Like, so when I got done, I'm going to string all this together for all the listeners. I do my best not to bloviate and be long winded. I promise I string all this together. So everything you just said. So this, uh, insanity, you remember, um, uh, oh, yeah. it P90, was Sean P90 T and, yep. and, and insanity. I got done with football, man, and like everybody says, I just kept eating. I was already real fat, man. I was I was my height, and I was 268, the heaviest I was as a tight end. I was a big guy. And I just, I mean, you stop working out, and even if you re- regulate your calories, I'm still heavy. And I was like, I want to lose some weight. I just want to lose weight. So I hit the insanity, and hey, just like that. So sometimes it does work like that. De- again, depending on where you're at in your life. I was really young. I think you can throw most people if they do insanity uh, into something like that. At the same time, though, I have a guy named Brandon. All right, this is one of my uh, greatest training feats. I think uh, throw my wife Kimberly winning the three time three years in a row. An old lady uh, squatting 95 pounds on her back, and she was in her late 70s. You know, she eventually with osteoarthritis and things like that. So got a couple of them. But Brandon came to me, and he was. 350 plus, like well north of 350, not not closer to 400. Those so his weight fluctuated a lot. He was in really bad shape, and he, but his all of his blood work was good. And his doctor just told him, like, man, you've got to stop and fix this, or you're gonna be in trouble, like big time. And so he came to the rec center at, at the University of Arkansas, and I picked him up as a personal training client. And I thought about it, and he's like, Josh, I just want to be healthier, and. At that point, it's like, Brandon, that means a lot, you know? Like, your blood work looks great, so on paper you're fine, but you know, you and I know that that means a lot of things. Like, you can't bend over and touch your toes. You can't even touch the tops of your knees. You don't have the balance to step over a bench. You don't have the mobility to press over. Like, there's a million things. So, like, let's start with, I want you to be able to do these things. And it was simple things. Like, I want you to be able to alternate right foot, left foot step-ups for one minute without your heart rate exceeding like 110 beats per minute. Like I want you to be at like a, a moderate exercise of that. And that was one of our goals. It was a very small goal. In the meantime though, I'm thinking, and this is again, I'm always gonna go for like coaching, being a part of this team is a good thing because I, I'm think he's thinking about that. That's the goal he's chasing after. But I'm thinking about like every time he gets closer to that, we're burning more calories. And I'm watching his eye watch and you know, or his calorie counter at that point. We didn't have eye watches then. I'm seeing how many calories it says he's burning. We're guessing. You know, we're using the same calorie counter every time, so it's going to be accurate workout to workout, whether it's accurate total, it doesn't matter. How many more calories are we burning? What things can I make him do in the gym that are adding to his dexterity and his ability to balance that he's not thinking about, making him pick stuff up and move it so that we can go exercise to exercise? Little things at a time. And over the course of two years, the man went from wearing like a 46 or 48 waist to down in, into the 30s, like high 30s, I believe. He was wearing two and three X shirts. He's now wearing a medium, and he's kept this weight off, which is great, guys. This is was incredible, and that's all on him. He's kept all this weight off. He's happy. I believe he got down to 225. Hell but yeah. But the great part about this, and this is why I'm stringing it together, it was little bitty goals like that, and we took time off. I would train him for a while, then he'd go on his own. And when his, when his progress started to slump, he'd come back, and he'd hire me again, and we'd do a little bit. And sometimes he'd come back and I'd give him something like, dude, just go do, you know, P90X. It's 90 days. Just for the next three months, do that. Then come back to me and extend this time, man. Like, And let's just dialogue. So there's a continued relationship. But again, it was little goals, little things. And I used things like P90X and, and Insanity because I had the DVDs. But I could also say, okay, go do these five workouts off of this DVD. And then in six months, we're going to bring it back and we're going to see how much better you are. So now he's now he's looking not only month to month, now he's looking half a year, half a year, and I'm still thinking over time. He ends up losing all this weight and keeping it off because he's learned how to set goals and learn how to do the little and the the, the micro and the macro thinking. And and that's that's necessary. And that's a skill 
I aim to teach. You know, every personal training client or consultation, you know, team member I've ever had, I say, look, I don't want you to need me at some point. I want you to be able to shoe on your own and diet and work out, and you just come back when you need help, when you've lo- when you've gotten to the extent of your resources, you know, that kind of thing. And so I strung that together pretty good. So that's little things, big things. They go together well. Like you have to be able to set uh, – there was – we did a thing in seminary. They talked about goal setting, and they talked about what's immediate, what's urgent, and what's necessary, you know, and you kind of have to pull those things out. What's necessary, you got to do it right now. What's urgent, you need to figure out when you can handle those things and set a deadline for them. And then what's immediate is what you need to do right after you get done doing what you have to do. You know, uh, that's and kind of setting goals that way. So, like, you need to be able to reach down and pick your baby up off the floor. So that's what we need to do, you know. You have to be able to do that. What you really need to be able to do is squat down into a sumo, or like a, a Saigon squat position and put your hands behind your head and balance there, you know. And long term, we want to be able to do that with your body weight, 10 reps, you know. Boom, boom, boom. Kind of set those goals, you know. Strung together well. I love it. I try. (laughs) And that's ultimate success as a coach too, right? When he's able to go off and be his own man, like that's where, you know, a good coach wants that to be the case, right? Yes, you're Mm -hmm. done. Go go forth and and conquer by yourself, you know. That's where your, your job's complete and that's kind of the full circle of the whole relationship oh yeah i think anybody that's been doing this for any amount of time knows that you're more teaching habits than anything else you're a, you're a habit modifier they come to the gym if you're a personal trainer they come to the gym because they paid you they don't want to lose their money and there's a cancellation policy you know uh then they start seeing results they come back because there's something there you just keep on giving them more research resources slowly but surely and then say hey you got this, you know, you should, you should be able to, to gain that knowledge over time. And then they learn how to hold themselves accountable. Well, I've been showing up four days a week with this trainer. I need to do it on my own. Like, what else am I going to do? He's not there anymore, but why wouldn't I? It's already a, a habit, you know? Well, we got a host of people that I'm stoked for you to start helping out and, and working with on, on our side of things, man. And <clears throat> I love your perspective and I love your energy too. It's good vibes, man. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. We need some high energy around here. Carter and I are getting run into the ground these days. <laughs> oh, little uh, injection of new blood. Little blood. Yeah, yeah. That'd be good. It'll be good. No, I'm excited. I'm I'm stoked that that uh, you came by the booth, and it's just it's funny how things line out and and work work out well with the relationships, and that's that's really the value of getting out and doing like the shows and. I mean, yeah, you can sell a little bit of merch and stuff there, but it really comes into the relationships and the people that you meet and form, and you never know what's going to shake out of it. And now we've got, you know, super cool dude that we're going to get to to add to the crew on on the coaching side as we really, really work to build that out. And I think you're uh, you're going to be a good fit over there. And Kylie's awesome. Bobby, yeah, take him or leave him, but but <laughs> Kylie definitely knows her stuff. And Bobby's, no, I'm just kidding. Bobby's really good, and uh, it's good. You know, we need we haven't. It hasn't been a direct focus of ours necessarily. We've built, we had the programs built and have been utilizing them and then building over onto the Wattify, bringing in Kylie and Bobby was kind of the next evolution of that. Now we're looking at iterating even more to con- continue to expand the fitness side of the house. So I'm excited. I think there's a lot of opportunity ahead of us. Sounds awesome. Looking forward to the rest of the year, man. What, what hunts you got on the horizon for 2024? So we've got a group of guys, and I'm, we're trying to decide. There's a unit that I'm 100% able to draw in Colorado, and it bumps up into an area that we hunted last year that is over-the-counter. And so we were on one side. People, it doesn't matter. We're on one side of the wilderness area. The draw unit is on the other side of the wilderness area. We would have loved to have been able to you know, kind of attack from both sides this year would be, would be able to. The problem is the guys are like, yeah, but you're going to want to stay in the unit that you draw the whole time, and none of us have enough points to draw. And I was like, oh, I don't know. So I'm, de- I'm definitely going archery elk hunting in Colorado this year at some point. Uh, maybe twice, maybe back-to-back, I don't know. I've uh, got a turkey hunt. So I'm a board member for the Missouri Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. We're a public land uh, hunters and fishermen 
advocacy organization. We want there's lots of public land and there's lots of animals out there that people are advocating for. We want to make sure that guys like you and I that hunt public land keep the opportunity to do it. And we do a raffle auction thing every year at our rendezvous. And uh, I threw in I've got some public land or some private land that I have access to hunt and I threw a private land turkey hunt in. So I have a guy coming from Colorado that I'm going to guide for three to five days, depending on how long it takes him to tag out on this private land. So I'll be doing that this year. I'll be turkey hunting along with him and the landowner for about a week. And then I want to try to sneak in a bear hunt, but, you know, got to work the wife with that. Because <laughs> we all, well, we always go the, the last week of October leading into, because that's when, that's when I think the woods are the hottest in Missouri. Everybody says we rut the first or second week of, of November. I think the best time to be in the woods is the last week of October. So we always take four or five days, you know, a weekend plus a couple weekdays to hunt then. So we'll be doing that too, whitetail hunting together, me and my wife. We enjoy that. She killed a one, I say it's 120. The guy that measured it said it was 117.5, whatever. I'll take his word for it. He does it for a living. But she caught a really cool buck with a double a brow tine on one side and a kicker on the other, a 12 point with her bow at 39 yards. So I want to cool. see if she can rep it. Yeah, see if she can replicate that with me this year. Hell yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, my wife has gotten a lot more into hunting here recently, which is which is cool. It's sometimes it's good to get a little alone time, get out with the boys, but it's also fun when you can share that experience with your spouse and and get out there and and chase critters. I think it's it's something we've enjoyed uh, to bring her up into, and even the preparation and the practice. I'm trying to get her probably have to get her a new bow. She's got one now, but uh, get her bow hunting. She's only rifle hunted so far. Yeah, like when I, I've gone, I've been on several hunts with my buddies where y- y- him or I have been successful. And there's, I, we all know this. It's one of the unspoken nastiness about hunters. You get a little jealous when your buddy sticks a good one. You know, you're like, <laughs> oh, good job, bud. <clears throat> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> even if it wasn't you, you know. I mean, I've even been going. I've even gone with my buddies on public or private land that I don't have permission to hunt. I'm just with them, right? And uh, they kill a deer, and I'm like, man, you should have let me kill that. <laughs> You know, but uh, with my wife, dude, it, with my wife, I can't, my, my son's two, and I just can't imagine what it's going to be like when he connects with his first animal, even if it's a squirrel. Because when I, when she's killed animals around me, or I've been the first one on the scene, dude, it's like, <gasps> you know, it, it's, it's intense. It's, it's, it's almost as intense as me doing it. You know what I mean? So I, I enjoy oh, it. Yeah. I really, like you, I, I really like being out there with her. Yeah, my wife killed a whitetail doe this year on our farm in Virginia, North Carolina. It's on the line, and we were she was lined up and like shooting a whitetail doe with a rifle for me. Like I don't, it's like taking out the trash. Like I, it is. I don't really get worked out. Like you were talking about earlier, right? I've done it a lot. Yeah. And she's getting prepped for the shot, and I got the adrenaline. Like I'm sitting there, like I'm on the binos. I'm like, oh, and then she stoned it, like hit it exactly where I told her to hold. She, you know belly up tumbled down the ridge and i was just like i was more excited than she was i've been with her for two deer now and i, I think i get more excited than, than she is she's like stone cold just sitting there like looking up like okay it's dead yep i'm done racks another round and i'm sitting there like yeah <laughs> oh man yeah, I, I can't well, my imagine wife... my, my son's two as well so i just i can't imagine i'm so excited to, to be able to take him out and get him in that lifestyle he's already been around a ton of dead animals in camp with everybody running around like it's it's fun that's what it's all about is is sharing it oh, with yeah. others now luke when you get that when you get your uh, your stig bow okay you need to go ahead there's another company they make a bow called a little john okay it's a little tiny recurve and my two-year-old can pull it back just far enough and he has the form for it i have to stand there and kind of help but if he'll stand at five feet he can let loose the arrow and it'll stick in my block target so once you start doing it, just let him do it, man, and he'll get it. Once he gets it back, it'll shoot up to 16 pounds all the way drew back. So it's worth it. It's a good one. Uh, sounds like that's what he's getting for his birthday. I just wrote that down. <laughs> Hell yeah. I believe it's made that's by awesome. Fleetwood. It's called the it's Fleetwood Little John. That's what it's called, I'm pretty sure. Hell yeah. I'm in for that for sure. We'll get, we'll get, that, get that rolling. But hell yeah, man. I think uh, we're coming up on an hour here, but I'm, I'm stoked. I feel like we can go for for another 30, 45 minutes, but we'll wrap this one up. You got anything to close this out with? Man, just a piece of advice I'd like to give anybody that's talking about lifting with me. The one thing that you need to do, and this is anybody that's listening, watching, however it goes, 
be as strong as you can as you can be for as long as you can be. That's the sauce to life. I've got an occupational therapist that comes over. She's like pseudo personal trained by my wife, and she agrees with me. The one thing she tells her occupational therapy patients is be as strong as you can for as long as you can. It's it's just what keeps you healthy. It makes all your systems run like they're supposed to. Just keep lifting. Bump the running if you don't want to do it. Just lift. Pick things up. Put them down. <laughs> I can get behind that. <laughs> You're talking yeah. Luke's language there. Coach said so. No running. <laughs> yeah. Just picking up heavy shit. I'm in. Just pick it up. Pick, and if you need cardio, pick it up fast. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Hell yeah. You got anything, Carter? No, man. Appreciate it. Uh, looking forward to chatting with you some more, Josh, and, and seeing you around the, the Hunt, Lift, Eat arena that we got. Absolutely. Pleasure to be a part of it. Hell yeah. Stoked to meet you, man. Stoked stoked as well for the future and getting you plugged into everything and continuing to grow grow the company and, and grow the training and the programming side. I think it's the demand and the needs there. So uh, we'll, we'll keep working away and, and build this shit. Yep, we're on our way. As always, we appreciate the hell out of you guys. Thanks. <laughs>